Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Steve Simmons, Toronto Sun for Austin. Uh, it's one thing to hear about how tight they play and even watch the films of how tight they play. What was it like to experience it? Oh, well, first of all, I mean, it's unfortunate that I'm getting a question from me at this point, Steve, but I just wanted to say I didn't really appreciate the article you wrote about me a couple months ago. I thought uh, it was very unethical, to be honest. Um, but moving along, I thought, um, you know, they obviously play a really structured, uh, structured defense, and uh, they make it hard when you get on the side. And I think we just got to do a better job of making sure we have guys coming down on it. And there you go. That was Austin Matthews <laughs> answering the Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun Times. So that is, that is your your reaction was the best ever. Like you you smiling, just like you going like this. Like it was the best. Oh, I think I can speak for the entire uh, hockey community when I say fuck Steve Simmons. <laughs> you know, man. He, he works hard. I, I, you know what? I'm not gonna discredit that. He's gotten his job, but you know what? He, you don't do shit like that, man. I'm so glad he called him out. That is, I never would have thought. <laughs> he went right into it. Like, he was waiting. <laughs> you can even see if you watch the video. You can just watch Morgan Riley's face because Morgan Riley was saying with him like, "You should see his face." Where it's like, "Yeah, Steve suited up to Toronto sometimes." And it's just, Oh, that's the best thing ever. I was just looking through my Twitter feed, and then uh, there's a tweet from James Myrtle, and it said what uh, Austin Matthews said. I'm like, oh, no way. And then I saw in a video, and I'm like, oh, no, no way. <laughs> Dude, oh, Dylan man. just said it to me, too. <laughs> yeah. You see Morgan Riley's face? <laughs> Um... <laughs> I've never seen somebody so uncomfortable in my life. <sighs> oh. All right, so oh. do you want to, want, I know we're, we're a Blackhawks podcast, but uh, you're obviously a bit of a Leafs fan, so do you want to, you want to talk about the game? I, did you watch it, or did you just get the highlights? I, uh, I was actually driving, um, I'm uh, currently in a hotel, um, yeah. and so I was driving out there, and I uh, kind of like, I had a little bit of the radio through the NHL app for a little bit, um, so these the first two periods were just kind of blank, nothing really happened, it was just, you know, just kind of, you know, chances back and forth, nothing crazy, Matthews had one good chance, it was a highlight, because he got robbed, Nick Robertson was an inch away from his first goal on his first shift, and if that happens, I don't get shot out, 
Great story, whatever. The whatever. complexity of that game is entirely different if Robertson opens the scoring that early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sets the tone, but Leafs can't play against the trap pretty well because there's lack of structure. They have too much. It's they, they rely too much on skill. I don't want to sound like Brian Burke, but the, the issue with the Leafs is not that they are a skilled team. It's that they only have skill. They need. They I mean, need no, they don't have enough grit. They don't have grit. No, 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 not enough heart and not push in their game. But they could use like a Brandon Saad, a Ryan Carpenter, like a defensive game. There's no. It's nothing besides finesse. Like Marner is a finesse player. Matthews is a finesse player. Nylander is a finesse player. Robertson is a finesse player. You get Ilya Mikheyev, it's like you finally have a solid defensive forward. Kapanen's good in the penalty kill because he's fast and he he's smart there, but in general he's not great defensively. I don't think, from my knowledge, Janssen isn't. So you don't have. He's not. I don't even think he's playing Janssen because Robertson. No, we're not playing right now. No, but in general they don't have it. Like Mikheyev um, is kind of like the one guy who's been noticeable defensively. So, you know it. it they, they don't have that guy. They need that fourth-line center to shut things down. They're playing Jason Spezza as a fourth-line center. That's <laughs> nothing. That's nothing. He's not a fourth-line player. He doesn't – you need a shutdown line. There's a reason they can't close out games is because they don't have shutdown players on defense or on forward. You have Jake Muzzin, right? You have Jake Muzzin. He plays – I mean, come on. Come on, Jimmy. There's Cody Cece. Like, give, no, give him not, a you're, you're Cody. <laughs> Like they said at the draft, he is an expert at Seabrook. So, you know, uh, definitely, you know, definitely an all-star <laughs> caliber player. So, God, I, you know, it's – I'm not – obviously, I'm not a fan like I am the Blackhawks. But I, I enjoy following them. But I also hate it. So, yeah, I just – I don't know. This team is – This team is ruining my no. life. Yeah, that's – they're – not ruining my life, but they're definitely not making it any more fun. Yeah, that team's just I I don't know. They 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 need structure, they need more than just skill. Like you can if you're like and they the, the Steve Diggle podcast, they say this so much. If skill is gonna be your thing, go with skill. The lightning actually do it pretty well. I mean, you know, mind you they have fucking Anthony Sorelli, you know, Victor yeah, Hedman. Yeah, yeah, those guys help a little bit, yeah. But like, you know, but those that team when they want to turn out with skill, they do it. The Leafs don't do that. They're kind of a lazy team sometimes. I hate saying that, but they're kind of a lazy team. And Columbus is one of the hardest working teams in the NHL. And I hate the, you know, they'll work harder and they work the hardest. They have the most heart. But you know what? They do like that's how they win is they haul ass for sixty or more minutes, and they play a good structure. Tortorella has a structure that they're buying into. Say what you will about the guy, but he has his system. His players trust him. He gets players to like. He gets players to commit to his his structure, and it works. It's working. So, I'd, be, I'd be afraid to mess up in, jo- in front of John Tortorella. Like oh, no, at the end yeah. of the game when they're one nothing, I think it was Alexander Wenberg. It was a two on one with the empty net. Mitch Marner was like sliding back. Uh, Wenberg could have shot the the puck and it could have gone into the empty net, but it went off Marner's skate and it went back the other way. The Maple Leafs almost got a chance, but then thankfully for Wenberg's sake, uh, empty netter. <laughs> yeah, he got, he came back and got the goal and I'm pretty sure John Tortorella almost had a heart attack when he, when he, when that puck went off the skate. So yeah, just, Oh, you think he had a heart attack? I think Alexander Wenberg probably died inside, dude. That's... Yeah, he's like, oh no, not, <laughs> not, not this one. The Leafs come back and score and then John Turtle just fucking, yeah, <laughs> he'd be sad for the rest of the fucking playoffs, man. That's oh, yeah. definitely yeah. he'd be stapled to the bench. But yeah, Lumberg, though, man, what a confusing player. He had that. He had one really good season. I think it was 2016-17. He's just kind of, kind of trailed off. I don't know what's up with him. 
I need to look that up because you know what? he was a guy who I was hoping the Hawks would kind of would maybe target when they uh, when they traded for uh, for Saad. I was I was expecting him to be part of the package, but yeah, I want to say at close to sixty points, like fifty five points in twenty sixteen and seventeen, he's just kind of yeah. kind of trail off. I don't know what's uh what's happened with them, but like the Blue Jackets, one hundred percent full credit to them. They played such a structured game, and one thing that surprised me was is how they activate their defense in a play. Like, I saw Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski were amazing, and so was that Pierre Luc Dubois line. They did an amazing job of shutting Austin Matthews down, and I just saw them. They were so confident in moving the puck, specifically Wierenski and Jones. They even got into the play. I'm just surprised a team like John Torella lets them activate the defense. Tortolini. Like yeah, Tortolini. <laughs> yeah. Just the way they, 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 like, I'd see so many times Zach Wierenski just go into the zone and chase the puck. But the thing about the Blue Jackets is there's always, they're always there for each other. Like, they're always covering each other. If someone goes in deep, one person goes back. Another, you know? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're a team. And, like, but they really are a team. Yeah. Like, yeah. full credit. Like, they play as a team. I, it feels like with the Leafs and, you know, uh, another team that surprises me that they're like, this is the Florida Panthers kind of come off like this a bit. It's just like, it seems at times like they're running around there with their heads, like chickens with their heads cut off. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. They're just kind of, they're working on the fly. The Leafs play like they are trying to, like their first game of the year every every time. When they're bad, it feels like their first game of the year. They're trying to figure out everything. They look out of place. They look like they don't have any sort of, I keep saying the word structure, but they don't look like they do. They don't look like they have any position, any poise. With the Blue Jackets, like you said, it's like there's a system they're playing. It's all with. structure. Yeah, like when when one guy, you know, what's it called? Uh, when, yeah, was it? Uh, yeah, there's actually a million sayings in movies and shows, but it's like when one guy goes down, you know, somebody else. You know, next man up mentality. That's it, exactly. Yeah, next man up mentality. Big brain stuff from uh, Tortellini. Oh yeah, it's big brain time. John Tor <laughs> picture of John Tortorella. <laughs> yeah, but I really, you know. There are a lot of times, I think 2015-16 was when Tortorella really dropped off for a minute. But, I mean, ever since he got to the Blue Jackets, I really think he's turned it around. He hasn't been a back He's held it. has Yeah, he hasn't. Yeah, he's been much better. He says, he's more mellow. He speaks his mind, for sure, you know. But he isn't he isn't freaking out at the media and like yelling and like walking into the Calgary Flames dressing room. Yeah, that's what I think. I really think that he like he must have really looked in the mirror and said, like, I can't be doing this shit, you know? Yeah. And I, I, you know, if that's what he did, either way, he hasn't done it, whether he really looked at it or not, he hasn't done it and props to him for that. Uh, it kind of reminds me, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Rick Tockett, but he, Rick Tockett reminds me a lot of uh, Tortorella, with the way he is, the way his system plays and the way he gets players to buy in. And, you know, a guy like Kessel may not fit in there, surprisingly, because he seemed to be the, you know, Tockett was kind of like his whisperer, but, um, you know, it's it's teams like that where you have a coach that can really make a player buy in. And even so, some of the skilled players might not, you know, they might not buy in as well. Kessel really doesn't seem like he has as much. But, you know, it doesn't matter because you have the rest of this team buying in. The Coyotes aren't at the point of the Blue Jackets yet. But I, I honestly, I have a good feeling the talk it's going to get them there. I don't know why. I just – Coyotes are a weird team, man. And that's, again – Kind of transitioning into that. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to talk about the Arizona-Nashville game. I've yeah. seen a lot of people picking Nashville to win. I'm just like, I'm not I'm not sold on no. Nashville for whatever no. reason. Just all exactly. year, they, 
Yeah, no reason John Hines, dude. Come on. Yeah. We all know why. <laughs> and just Arizona, to me, they've been the sleeping giant. They haven't been able to get Kemper and Ranta healthy. Kemper was amazing. I think he made 40 saves against the Predators. And okay. Arizona, Arizona, they just had this underrated offense that just can't get going. Uh, Nick Schmoltz, unfortunately, was injured. Like, that um, totally yeah. should have been a suspendable play. We're going to get into the whole Kajula thing later because, yeah, obviously, he got suspended for something that was way less, less worse than uh, yeah. what, uh, who was it, Reeves did to Schmaltz. Yeah. But, uh, yeah now, you look at Arizona, they have Taylor Hall, who they acquired. It's, <laughs> we almost forget about that. And yeah, Phil Kessel, like, he's all right. Yeah. Uh, former heart winner, not bad. And then you got a two-time Stanley yeah. Cup champion with Phil Kessel, who's a huge-time playoff performer. You just look at the team, it's like, they got some guys that can perform, and I just feel like they're the sleeping. There's a sleeping giant. They got the good goal. Really. Kessel had a couple. Both Kessel and Hall, two points each, two assists. Yeah, yeah. they were. Yeah, and just they got the goaltending. If they can stay healthy, they got the def the the good defense, that good defensive structure system, and they have some offensive force. Like what gets yeah. lost today, they have Clayton Keller too, and Michael Gramner scored a shorthanded goal too, which he's the king of doing which that. The always does, yeah. Goal. Yeah, he needs to get to the All Star game because I really I think he's the fastest player in the NHL besides McDavid. I really yeah, I mean, he's definitely he up there. That's for sure. God, I remember there was that one year he played in the Leafs and he was just like King Stone Hands. And then, ever since then, it's just, man, he really found his place, you know, as a penalty killer. God, for a guy who scored, what did he score, 30 goals in his first year, I believe? Yeah, he won a, he was a Calder finalist, I think. Yeah, he was, I just want to touch, I just want to look at that for a second, because I don't want to touch on that. He He's had a very interesting career. He started off, yeah, he had 30, 34, you know. 34 drafted. goals, that's really good. Gets drafted by the Island or the Canucks, scores 11 points in 20 games, gets traded right away to the Islanders. Who is he traded for? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Scores 52 points. That's probably where he got the you know Calder nomination. Yeah, 32 points in 78 games, 21, 45, 26, and 64, 13, and 34, 18, and 80. He slowly goes down, goes to the Rangers after Toronto, where he had nine and nine and eighty, nine and nine in eighty. He scores 27 goals, 13 assists. That's really good. That's when he started to pick up, yeah. And struggled a little bit in New Jersey, but he's kind of he, he's found his place in Arizona on the penalty kill. He's just kind of found his role, and it seems like he's accepted it. And clearly, he's you know, he, he does it well. He was kind of a guy who wanted the Blackhawks to target. I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019, but I just oh, wanted man. him as a player that has a ton of speed, could play on the penalty kill, playing your bottom that six would be, and all uh, that. 2018, yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, man. They, I mean – now their penalty kill will do Sands' uh, last game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that later. But, uh, yeah, no, I definitely uh, I definitely would appreciate a player like that. But, uh, you know, the Coyotes uh, – I mean, I'm not looking at, like, you know, shot – like a um, shot area and whatnot, but uh, 37 shots to 43. It's not bad. They weren't pummeled by the Predators. That's a good sign for them. I, it was just I, high event. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of rooting for the Coyotes. Like I know some. Uh, oh, some definitely players, me too. Yeah, feel bad. I'd feel rude, but uh, no, I, I just I don't know, man. It's it's nice to root for the underdog, and uh, sure doesn't hurt that like Vinny Hinnestrosa and Nick Schmaltz and fifty other Blackhawks are playing. And Jalmerson and Ronta and Jalmerson. Yeah, yeah, he was playing that game. He's yep. been injured so often. I wonder where his numbers are at. I haven't checked that in a while, but yeah. Yeah, but, uh, still, you know he's what? still. I know he's still one of the better defensive defensemen in the NHL. I know that, which yeah, is no surprise at all. 
because he was like when when he was in his prime, he was the ideal defensive defenseman. When he was in his prime, in my opinion, he was the best defenseman in the entire NHL. Yeah, from a, from a defensive specter perspective, definitely. Blue Jackets outshot them 35-28. Yeah, the Blue Jackets played them really well. Like, I was surprised. I, I, I thought, I thought, like, I thought the Blue Jackets, a lot of these defensive teams, I thought they'd struggle because I thought we'd see a lot of speed. And we have seen a lot of speed in offense, but the Blue Jackets really, like, they got their structure right from the get-go, and they didn't, they really did a good job of limiting chances, like, high-danger chances from the Maple Leafs. They did a good job from holding them to the outside, and, yeah, it's just... Yeah. No, no, like clockwork with the Leafs, isn't it? I gotta say, um, well, first I gotta ask. Didn't someone told me that the Blue Jackets played kind of a trap on the Leafs? Is that true? Yeah, they did play. Definitely play. They definitely trapped it up. When you got Rowenski, Seth Jones, David Savard, man, what an underrated defenseman. Oh, there. What's his name? He was Russian. I think it was Gavrikov, or however you say his Nirvana? name. No, 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 not not him. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, I think that's what his name was. He really impressed me too that game. I, I, if I think that's what his name was, I've never I've never really heard of him. But I looked up some of his defensive stats and I saw it was really good. Oh, I've never... yeah, <laughs> I just like look at you and the lights turn off. Yeah, well, yeah, he really impressed me that uh, Gavrikov guy. I know uh, that uh, cool lemon. He, that's what the guy fucking told me. That's what the fucking guy said. Yeah. You know, I, I asked the guy. I asked that. I asked the fucking guy. Yeah, Vladislav Gavrikov, man. Hmm. Man, if they can get him, if he plays well, Ryan Murray sounds like he's been all right there. You know, this defense is very underrated. It is definitely. Did they trade Nudavara? I think he's injured. Oh, injured? Oh, he seemed to be a solid defenseman. I liked him. Yeah, but, oh, man, the Hawks The Hawks had a Seth Jones. Or oh, Zach. that would be nice. That would be, be nice. Good. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, you know, wouldn't it be nice if everybody had Seth Jones? Yeah, that'd be nice. But I really feel like that's the big thing for the Hawks is that they have this offense that can get it going. It's the let's, – let's make it about the Hawks because that's, you know – Let's do that. Hawks podcast. Yeah, let's transition to that game. Yeah, right. Enough about stuff. those leaves. Oh, on the note of the Hawks, uh, let's just uh, let's just enjoy the uh, the Blues game for a second. And uh, yeah. beautiful Nazem Kadri scoring point one. Oh, seconds. man, I have to pull up this tweet again. Uh, there's some good tweets on the timeline today. Um, hang on, I think it's in my likes. Let me oh, check. I'm glad to I'm excited so, to hear the live. Okay. Okay. So there's this tweet from Jordan Bennington. Actually, you even replied to it. It's Jordan Bennington, uh, August 19th, 2011. If you have your period, dot, dot, be quiet. And Twitter for BlackBerry. And funny enough, underneath it, you replied, uh, Twitter for BlackBerry. <laughs> 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 and then this person, at mostly on point, if you can't make a save with 0.1 seconds left in regulation, dot, dot, be quiet. <laughs> God, Jordan Bennington is is fun to hate. He really yeah. is. Yeah, definitely. What a clown. Good player. Good player. Good Fuck goalie. Won a Stanley Cup, but uh, yeah, definitely he's one of those guys that you like to hate. He's kind of a douche. He just ha- he's just such a, you know, he's not even like Brad Marchand, like where you just, you're kind of like scared of him on the ice. You're just like, this. fuck you, dude. <laughs> 
he's, he's such a Chad. He is a Chad. He's a Chad. <laughs> That's a perfect name for him. I just what a guy. But uh, yeah, that was that was very satisfying. Uh, it was especially nice. Especially Cod- especially Kadri doing it. Oh, I know, dude. Honestly, it's nice to see Kadri uh, doing something in the playoffs because he's you know it's every playoffs this guy is shooting himself in the foot. So good start for him. I'm sure that's a. I'm sure it's a huge thing for him. Actually, after some of the tweets that uh, Jordan Binton has made, I think it's probably extra sweet for Nazem Kadri, but I don't even have to reference the tweets. You all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyways, um, so getting into the Blackhawks, Blackhawks. Yeah, that whole thing. Talk about uh, what was a hockey game for the Blackhawks. There was playoff. a playoff hockey game. Playoffs? I just want to win a game. So yeah, the Chicago Blackhawks, they're saying that it's a playoff game. They're saying the stats to court, uh, count towards playoffs. So we're going to go ahead and just say it's a playoff game. So the Blackhawks oh, playing in their first oh, game since 2017. They won their first game since 2016. They w- have led the series for the first time since 2015. Uh, hang on. I want to pull up a tweet, another tweet that I actually tweeted. Um Oh, so I think it, it might be a little far back, but uh, it was something like Chelsea Dagger has not been played in like 1500 days. I forget the exact number, but like we have not heard of Chelsea Dagger playoff goal since April 23rd of 2016. That was 1561 days ago. We, I felt every fucking day of it, so <laughs> I am. Oh man, you know. Really scary at the end. Very satisfied with that. Dominic Moody was okay. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was all right. All right. Yeah, five points. Casual, casual, two goals, three assists, and a a playoff record for an NHL rookie in a a debut game. Yeah, yeah. But he's twenty-four. He can't. He can't do that. He's twenty-four. He turned (laughs) twenty-five in a couple weeks. He can't do it. He's not a collier worthy. It was. It was funny listening to the uh, Steve Dingle podcast. Um. I, I swear I mentioned them like every episode. Like, oh yeah, they're. they're I, I am fifty percent this podcast and fifty percent that podcast. But um, I was listening to them and they were talking about uh, <clears throat> Blackhawks and Oilers, like their their uh, predictions. And I think it just this shows. This is after the game, so I'm hearing this today after the game. But I think it just goes to show an under underdog that or dark horse, whatever you want to call it, the the, the Blackhawks are. Uh, all of them. Easily 3-0 sweep. Get him out of here. Adam even said he's like, this is gonna be 2017 again. They get maybe three goals, maybe to Brinkett pots two. Kane gets one. And uh, I was, uh, I mean, I was, I just, I was. It's the funniest thing. Like they were saying, the Habs are gonna get killed by the Penguins. The Penguins, the, <laughs> they the Habs get green time. one. <laughs> but uh, it's so funny because to me, because after Steve said, after they all, you know, say 3-0, 3-0, 3-0, and you know, can't blame him. I. Uh, uh, Steve goes, well, they have that one guy, Dominic Kubelik, who doesn't get very much attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dangle jinx. Thank you. I know how it happened. Yeah. That's how it happened. It wasn't Kubelik. It was it was Steve Dangle blessing us with the dangle jinx. If you see this somehow, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> but, uh, man, how about Taves, man? You know, back in playoffs. I was going to say. I was gonna say, lost in all this was Jonathan Taves. Like he just looks so poised out there. He looks so like confident. Like he just looked like his old self. I loved it. That first line 
we said that was a key going into that series. If they're going to be playing McDavid, that's all uh, Taves Kubliak line. They're going to, the, the way, the, the best way to defend against McDavid is make him play defense. And they did just that. Uh, hang on. I'm going to pull up the stats here, but uh, on the fourth goal where Saad took it away from McDavid, like that's, that's exactly what you got to do. You got to make him play defense. And uh, yeah. Cool. All right. So let me, lead up, let me, sorry, let me lead out some, uh, let me lead let me read up some numbers. The uh, Saad Taze Kubelik line had a 84.6% Corsi, a 100% goals for, and a 91.9 expected goals for, and a 100% high danger chance for percentage. Wow. As And and overall, Saad had one goal, one assist. Taze had two goals, one assist, and then, of course, Dominic Kubelik, two goals, three assists, which was an NHL wreck for a Stanley Cup playoff debut by a rookie. On the oh other God. hand, <clears throat> Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Cassian had a 28% Corsi rating, a 28.4 expected goals for percentage, and a 33.3 high danger chance for percentage. So Whoa. if you can keep even, like, keep it close and, like, still just stay barely above 50%, like, you're you're doing your job, and that gives the Blackhawks such an advantage. And one thing that, that really stood out that game was the 5-on-5 play. I don't even think it was close. Chicago, they... No. They, they oh. surprisingly defended very well at 5-on-5. Uh, five five. I really like that DeHaan and Murphy pairing. I think they did a great job. Um, even Mata and Kukumata made some Mata good plays. Yeah. Mata had that uh, that shot that got tipped by Saad, and then that huge clear off McDavid off the goal line at the end of the mm-hmm. second period. How big is that? If that counts, that goes in, that's a 6-5 game, and that's pushing it really close. Like That was yeah. that was a huge turning point there. Yeah, well, not Mata, a turning point, but like, that, that, that was huge there. Yeah, Mata was... Yeah, he's on a. He definitely has moments, and yeah, every game he is kind of chasing around at least once a shift. But man, he, yeah, you know, you, you know, it's not. I don't think it's about playoff experience. I don't think that's what makes you make those plays. But I do think it does help to have that experience to kind of have that. Uh, that how do I put it? That sound mind to not feel pressured on those plays. To yeah, to feel comfortable. And I think that he he seemed to kind of. Uh, stand out more in these games against a young team with a young team. He definitely, uh, yeah, he seemed more poised. That's what I'm looking for. Definitely very poised. And yeah, if we, if they can get that out of him a lot, you know, for the rest of the series, like if you can get, and this is playoff Mata, then, you know, by all means keep playing that way. And I'd say, uh, Slater Cuckoo continues to be just great for his role. You know, not, yeah. you don't notice him for the right reasons. Like he's not trying mm-hmm. to be, you know, Nick Letty or some shit like that. A lot, people, a lot of people compare him to. He's not trying to be that. He's not trying to be um, Michael Roosevelt in the bad ways. He's uh, he just plays <laughs> his, uh... <laughs> sorry, Michael Roosevelt. You're great. Love you. He's but, got uh, he got two cups. He's yeah, he's got two cups. He's all good. He can't hear me. But I uh, no, I, I think you know my Stanley great. Cup rings. Fuck, plug my ears. I'm gonna say yeah, the Patrick Watt special. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he looks he looks good in his role. I just I just really I, I don't know. It's nice to have a guy like it's nice for him especially. To really just fit into that role, especially when Jan Ruda is absolute garbage in Tampa Bay. So <laughs> I forgot about Jan Ruda. <laughs> I think we got a higher pick for it too. I think that we got the higher. I pick think we got a. Pick. I think we got a fifth, and then we traded seven, something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. So double win. Good yeah. job, M. Bowman. That definitely earned you that multi-year contract extension. He just. Oh got. yeah, I forgot about. I didn't like. Holy. Good stuff. Hey, I... you mentioned that five on five, McDavid and Drysaddle are huge. <laughs> 
They were not good at all, like, especially just no. watching McDavid turn over that puck. I don't know what it was. He just, obviously, he had four points. I mean, all of them were on the power play, though, and that's McDavid? a huge thing. If, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's not surprising, but, like, just five on five, they, the Oilers are definitely beatable. And one interesting tweet I saw was that the lines are not changing. And one thing that stood out to me, do the Oilers start Mike Smith again? Because he did not look good at all. Please start Mike Smith. I, I would, really hope they do. <laughs> I would love that. I'd love that. Man, even if the Hawks get shut out the next three games, I, I had this game, and I appreciated it, and that means we'll get Lafreniere because that's just how it works for the Blackhawks, obviously. We'll get we'll get Lafreniere. They'll announce two winter classics for the next two years for the Hawks. Oh, yeah. Everything will be great. So Everything Chicago. No, but, uh, yeah, I, I think – and I also think, you know, Crawford did – you know, the defense wasn't perfect in front of him by any means, uh, but I do, I do think he looked a little bit shaky, which is, you know, expected – you know, which, he definitely made the big saves when he needed it, though. Which right, was, right. It wasn't bad, but he definitely didn't look himself, is I guess what I'm thinking. Yeah. But I do think that we know this when Crawford, when he gets his feet wet, when he's good, he is fire. He is fantastic. He is at least a top 15, 10 goalie in the league. Uh, not many not many people will know that because everyone says that Crawford sucks, and that's a narrative. We all know this. It's league-wide. but Overrated. Overrated, he can't make the glove save, even though he has some of the best glove highlights in the league, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that – I really think that this game was a big thing for him. I think the game, too, he's going to be a huge, huge thing for them. I think that McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be pretty pissed off about that. Yeah, they're we're, definitely – we're definitely – I'm definitely expecting them to wake up 5-on-5, five five and that's yeah. all you want to do when you're the Blackhawks. You do not want to take any penalties because, really, I think if they stay off the box, I, I'm going to say this, I think they win the series. Mm-hmm. No, if they could stay out of the fucking box, man. And that's a big F because when you have to face McDavid at full speed charging at you, it's like hard not to take yeah. a penalty or just let him blow right past you to create a goal. So well, the issue is like, man, there it's it, the penalties are taking are it's dumb, it's dumb shit. Like the, what the first penalty was a two minute. Yeah, minute? the first penalty it was two many minutes. Like why would you do this in a playoff game? That's gonna give them all moment momentum, Connor McDavid. But then good thing. One thing they showed was like resolve. They they didn't they didn't uh, they weren't shaken by that goal. They came right back. <laughs> Mike Smith, of course, re, uh, misplayed the puck, and Dylan Strom got his first ever playoff goal, which is good for him, man. He had a really down season. Think about that. Yeah, first, yeah. First, he had a really down season this year, especially when you compare it to what he had last year, and just seeing him get that goal. After his former uh, Erie uh, teammate scored, it was it was really great to see. And just they got a power play. Jonathan Taves back in the playoffs. Captain Clutch gets that goal, and then Olimata shoots a puck. Brandon Saad tips it, and then the next, and then again Jonathan Taves off after fantastic Oliver. play by Kubalik, as you mentioned yeah. before. Man, his defensive game is very underrated. Very underrated. A lot like uh, reminds me a lot of Nick Schmaltz, like that, just kind of sneaky. He's not, you know. You don't see him, but I don't know where he gets that puck from you. And he back checks as well. So, yeah, just awesome play all around. Great play by Saad. Great play by Kubelik there, too. I know. That whole first line was just so good. It's funny. Saad takes it. Kubelik almost just kind of stole his lunch money, but uh, it worked out. Uh, I I got to say, speaking of Erie Otters, uh, Brinkett was quietly very good. Had one, had a couple chances to score. He had one, uh, I don't know if it's Corsi or 
whatever was very good. That Everyone day. had a, like a good Corsi, good expected goals for. I think only four players had a mm-hmm. negatively Corsi or expected goals for, which mm-hmm. is really good. Um, trying to think of what else. Uh, Kirby Dak obviously looked really good. He had one very assist. Solid. He just looked so powerful with the puck. There's a lot of good zone entries where he just controlled the puck. It was impossible to get off him. He was strong along the boards and. One Nick Schmaltz play, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, but I mean, you can't really fault him for that earlier. Oh, no, the penalty, but yeah, definitely in the future, you wanna mm-hmm. you wanna see him shoot that puck. But again, he's he's freaking nineteen years old, man. He looks he looks so good out there. And no, you know what, Pierce? He may be nineteen years old, but I have to give him shit and yell at him online because my life revolves around my hockey team, and if they uh, don't do things that I like, then I'm mad. So yeah. it's his fault. Duh. Those are the same people that say, "King Paul, I can't count his sports." <laughs> <laughs> wow, Maxime Comtois killed my killed my wife. Can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> Mac, that oh wow. God, that just that just like opened up something. Wow. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's opened up the the trauma for you. Yeah. But I remember uh, that. Really dark, man. Speaking of uh, good young Canadian players, fantastic. Good uh, good old Kirby Doc. You know, get that puck. You know, good strong play by the young kid. No, 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 no. that puck because he's a, he's not one selfish American. He wants to move that puck. Yeah, boy, get a puck. He sits on that and get a rebound and they score. Kirby, fuck. All the way. Who's that Kirby Doc? That's that that Kirby Dick man. What a player. <laughs> uh, I I miss and don't miss Don Cherry, but uh, yeah, yeah. What a guy. What an interesting person. What a specimen. But, uh, yeah, he, for a first playoff game against, you know, Edmonton's not a defense to uh, to scoff at. You know, Caleb Jones is coming to his own Ethan Bear as well. I don't, I don't think he played. Don't I don't play. think Jones no. played. He's, he had a solid year, but Ethan Bear, did he play? Yeah, he did. Okay, yeah, he was he was kind of, in, you know, not really noticeable in, I guess, a good way, but, you know, he's had a great year. Darnell Nurse, Oscar Clefbaum, Larson's been, you know, a decent piece for them. You know, this isn't a bad defense, so. It wasn't horrible. I'd say just like a little above average, but they definitely looked very human against the Blackhawks that game. Uh, I thought they looked pretty great letting up six goals, but, you know, your opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was 6-2. Like, I, even though the Blackhawks all year, they just give up these huge leads, but when it's six to two, I'm like, wow, I think they're gonna do it. And then yeah, <laughs> right at the end, of course, they take a penalty. James Neal scores at like six, and I'm like, oh, they're still good. But then Clef bomb takes a shot. I think it was tipped by Nugent Hopkins, yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, no this is gonna happen. Good. This is gonna happen, isn't it? And then there were some close calls there, but then uh, they got it out. Uh, they didn't allow anything, and uh, I think Patrick Kane got a goal called back because <laughs> he was off. Patrick Kane scored a goal, but he didn't score. Good for him. Yeah, it's good for him. I have yeah. to ask you: uh, Was there one? Is there a certain playoff game, a specific playoff game, that this uh, ending made you think of? Was it Game Four against the Minnesota Wild in 2015? Yes, sir. Yeah, right. Is that that fourth goal? In and I'm like, God damn. And you know what? Uh, I remember Jonathan Taves ran inside Jonathan Taves one timer goes right off the crossbar, and then I. Uh, Almost shades of that with Patrick Kane. Not in this, not enough with enough time left. Not with uh, a one goal deficit or lead, but uh, almost ironic in that sense. Uh, how that happened? I guess it goes to show you that uh, even those great teams can make those mistakes. So, 
Yeah. You know what the first yeah. two periods reminded me of? What's that? What game? Game seven versus Anaheim. Oh, yeah. Oh, remember? And even game seven in Anaheim, they scored a couple goals late, and everyone's like, oh, no, man, don't turn off your TV. But uh, yeah. still pulled through and died. Yeah. Oh, God. This team has given me heart attacks ever since I started watching them. They just, they never fail to. Yeah. Maybe that's why I love them. But uh, you want to get into the uh, Kajula suspension because uh, I have thoughts on that. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, if it's a suspension, okay. But you just look at the – I always go back to the Schmaltz and that Reeves hit on Schmaltz. And, like, how is that How is that not How is that not a suspension? Like, I'm okay if that's a suspension. and But if it's going to be a suspension, make that other one suspension. Like, it's just – that's all I really have to game. say. You know, I'd argue that Reeves deserves more, but if they're going to – yeah, just give him each a game at least. And I'll think – The thing with Kajula is that it wasn't even a shot aimed for the head, and it's turned his body to be hit. He put himself into that position, and then Ennis actually tried to cross-check Kajula in the head. But nobody yeah. needs to talk about that, right? So, yeah. And just, I don't think Kajula's ever had a suspension history, so it's just – yeah, it's up to the guy has to have it started for a play that's that questionable. And there's so many, there's so many like, yeah, butts with that play. And then you look at the Reeves hit on Schmaltz, and nobody was saying that wasn't a bad hit. Nobody, nobody was arguing what a bad hit that was. Clear elbow straight to the head. Um, guy who's had a concussion before, so uh, yeah, not the person, not yeah, not a exactly a great player to do that to. So yeah, it's really frustrating there, you know. Obviously, tough decisions by George Paros every time he's doing this, but, I mean, I really think he dropped the ball on this one. It's, you know, it's, it's very frustrating, especially with um, uh, this little leak trying to open up. And, uh, God, it, it feels almost like they handle this the same way they handle Black Lives Matter. We can get into that uh, in a minute. Um, yeah, well, we'll give harsh suspensions, but doesn't actually do it. Yeah, we'll yeah, uh, we'll, we'll fight we'll, against racism. Does nothing about it. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll we'll make sure players don't get concussed since that's a really long, you know, long lasting thing in every sports league. Yeah, and then when there's clear elbow to a guy's head, a uh, previously concussed player, yeah, let's just let him, you know, walk scot free. So, just on a very very bad precedent set by George Peros there, in my opinion. And uh, speaking of bad precedent set. Uh, the NHL's way of handling BLM has been... Oh, you want to get into that? All right. I guess we'll right. start off with uh, not Matt Dumba, just to kind of preface how this has been in general. But I... Man, I guess you could say it's a nice sentiment, I guess. What the fuck is standing with your arms locked around each other doing? I don't know. We did what it, boys. We ended racism. It's like summoning like, positivity. Yeah. Just like we've been doing forever. Fantastic. Oh, man. There's this quote from The Simpsons. Uh, I forget which episode it's from. But uh, the freaking Ned Flanders, his house gets destroyed by a by a hurricane. And uh, Marge is like, they try to, like, the whole town of Springfield tries to rebuild his house. And then, then like, Marge is like, and it just, like, blows, like, destroys again. And Marge is like, well... It was it was all in good intentions, and then Ned Flanders is like, "Well, Marge, I can't just live in good intentions or something like that." I know I butchered it, but I always no, I just yeah. think, I just think of that when the, the NHL like with Black Lives Matter and any and really anything they try to do. <laughs> you need to find somebody to edit that so that can be a meme because that's exactly how this has been. It's oh. 
Yeah, I'll see if I can edit that video in. I don't know if I could, because that has been, or at least link to it, because yeah, yeah, it's it's been so, it's mind-numbing. What are you doing? What is standing? It's almost symbolic for the uh, way they've stood by while this happens. I kind of, I find it kind of uh, ironic in that sense. But uh, in a positive note, and while it's not much, and a bit awkward that everybody was standing around him. Uh, it was very beautiful. I think I want you to you know talk about it as well. I don't want to be the only one to talk about because it it's you know a very important moment, really in sports history, the NHL history. This is much bigger than people are giving it credit for. But Matt Dumbut giving a beautiful speech about Black Lives Matter and then and, kneeling, um, taking after, the first player to ever do and it. Malcolm Subban and Darnell Nurse standing right beside him, putting their hands on his shoulders, which was beautiful. it was a great image. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, Oh man, what else was I gonna say? I honestly cannot remember. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, you just want to see more. Like obviously, it's the player's choice to choose not to kneel. But it's just I saw Ryan Reeves' quote. I think and it was like he was talking to, to one of the beat reporters there, and they said we want to try something, but we don't want our team to get uncomfortable with it. Or like who cares? Like oh my there's god, people. You know what's uncomfortable? is systematic racism is pretty Yeah, facing racism yeah. every day, Maybe getting called slurs. This is the symbol that's presented standing up against systematic racism. If that's what that means, why can't you do that? Why can't you fucking kneel? Why is it so hard? You saw the Eric, you saw the Eric Trump tweet, and just like good job for standing NHL. And obviously, I don't think it's the NHL's fault entirely. Like I was, I was pretty pissed off, That's and I was like, well, I was yeah. like, yeah. NHL do better. But I like, when, the more I thought about it, it's like, it's not their fault. But when you leave your message like too open for imp- in interpretation, then you're yeah. you're gonna get that. Like you need you know, to make it more clear that you're against racism. Evander Kane was saying the same thing. He's like, these are just shallow words. That's what he's like. I feel like this is just shallow words i feel as if you know they're they're doing this they're saying this and it's going to just go back to normal once all the hype starts on you know supporting blm isn't you know the trend this this shouldn't be it shouldn't have taken this for all what happened what has happened for this to happen but here we are at least it's happened and they're not doing anything with it nba players of course mostly made up of black players we know this however like everybody in there even like the white players are kneeling with them. They're supporting them. And it's very clear that people in the hockey community, they're, I mean, it's simple enough. Playing hockey is not cheap. So no. you have, for most people are going to be rich white families. Yeah, and that's, that's what, what the NHL is, rich white people. Like rarely do you see um, the story of, I think it was Chris Stewart uh, and his family, Anthony Stewart as well. I believe uh, Anthony Stewart is uh, like a, uh, works at Sportnet now, but their family, like they barely could survive and let alone pay for hockey. They could barely afford groceries and all that. And uh, thankfully they were able to have the finances to get uh, Anthony and Chris Stewart to the NHL. Like rarely do you yeah. see those stories. Usually it's privileged, privileged white kids and, yeah, like you they see, don't, a lot they don't of, know what it's like to live in like, in a, any kind of tough situation because they're yeah. you know, they're able to have everything from day one. It's it's very obvious. Like you know, I look at it like this: soccer, football, and well, baseball too. Soccer, football, basketball, baseball. You can pick up a ball and play. Yeah, it's that simple. 
And it's easy to find like a basketball court, say, and uh, just at a park or a soccer field, or and even in a soccer field, you can throw football around. Whereas hockey, like, you gotta find a gym, get a stick, get some nets, and and that's even if you want to play like floor hockey or whatever. If you want to ice, if you want to play ice hockey, you gotta rent ice. You gotta get skates, which is hundreds of dollars. You gotta get a stick and puck and all of that. So, yeah. I think um, I was wondering if we could leave this in the uh, description, but uh, a link to uh, Black Girl Hockey Club on Twitter. Um, I think if anybody sees this and they can donate, uh, shout out to your family there, Pierce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that'd be great if we could uh, just leave that link below because um, they are doing a great job of expanding the sport and allowing people, um, in this case, you know, black women to enjoy the sport, um, or at least, you know, led by that. They're allowing people to play the sport because – I mean, it's it's not changing. So, you know, you got, people are doing what they can to change this, but there was a tweet that I saw yesterday. I think it was from them. It was from them. I want to I read it off uh, verbatim so I don't mess this up. It was a very, very good tweet that stuck with me. Um, let me see. And it was right after the Matt Dumba, Dumba speech. Not to downplay it, but... Both can be true. There goes my light again. <laughs> and by the way, Matt Dumba, he raised his fist uh, at the national for both national anthems. One thing I saw was that he only kneeled for the American anthem, but not the Canadian one. And like everyone's like, why are you only kneeling for the American one? What about the Canadian? One? Just all that. Like what? Yeah, you're missing, but, you're missing the point, man. Yeah, he's right now. It's not that there isn't racism there, but it's right now the focus. He lives in America. He's you know we're talking about America. But it would be nice to see him take a a knee, uh, a knee for Canada. I wouldn't. Yeah, he raised his fist for. for uh, he raised his fist for both the anthems. I'm pretty sure. At least that's what I saw. Well, it's good to see. Yeah, that's uh, in, in Canada. It's uh, from what I know, Indigenous people. It's a uh, it's something. Uh, Definitely, yeah. Saying yeah, but yeah, they're they're treated very badly in there. I've mm-hmm. heard stories from friends who are Indigenous uh, from Canada, and it's uh, it's it's awful. And I think it's, it's terrible. Yeah, I don't know if that's more prevalent than a uh, systematic racism with Black people. I know it seems to be a bit more of a thing here, but it's still a thing regardless. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I mean, fuck. What, what can I say? And that has been said already, you know. But uh, this tweet uh, from Black Girl Hockey Club uh, at Black Girl Hockey. Racism is a white problem created by white people. It shouldn't be up to people. Oh, color. yeah, I saw but, this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, B-I-P-O-C. I, I, bad memory. Don't remember all the uh, what all it stands for, but yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag, I'd say, for me. You know, it's it's great to see Dumb do that. It's great to see it finally happen, but, uh, you know, he can't be the one, the only one doing this. You need yeah, You need more. Just like well, again, going back to that Ryan Reeves quote, Reeves quote, where it makes the team uncomfortable. Like, who cares? Oh, man, that's the point. The all point. it does, all t- I know. Right, go ahead. All yeah, you, yeah like, you get you're getting people that are getting killed, violently hurt, and like 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 just terrible, the worst kind of slurs thrown at them. And all you have to do to help out is like take a knee and show what you said man if you really stand there fucking do something about it again it's your it's your choice but if one person does it i think there could be a huge like, chain reaction domino effect where just everyone else does it in that and if you're if you're like a like a minority watching the sport how much does that mean to you if you see just like everyone taking a knee and watching hockey it's just i think that could be huge and 
Yeah, there, there's still a lot of, as Matt Dumba greatly put it, um, hockey is a great sport, but it could be a lot greater. And That was yeah. my, probably my favorite part of it, or one of them. That was a very good quote. I love that. And that's what I've been saying is that hockey, I, I believe, I mean, I don't mean to sound like hashtag please like my sport, but hockey is, it's it means a lot to me. It's really, in my opinion, the best sport in the world. I love everything about it. I'm obsessed with it. I've met great friends like you and a lot of people in my life because of it and uh, I fuck I've met my uh, got my girlfriend Maya through it I've met basically everybody in my life through it and you know it's as much as it means to me the the culture and the community around it needs to change there's no question about it you know people like myself with white skin it's easy for us to look at and, uh, yeah and, and you yes yeah you are, and it's insane I didn't know until now but you are <laughs> Yeah, but it's easy for it could be easy for us to just look at it and say that you know because we don't understand it from our own experience and to to put it off and uh you know just feel comfortable and keep going on because what fun is it to look in the mirror and admit your faults but here we are and here's a chance for us to not feel good about ourselves for a minute but to look at ourselves not that we've necessarily done anything wrong but what we can do and well you know if you have this is your time to to change and to look in the mirror and do something differently you know no, nobody's perfect and but right now it's not about feeling awful about yourself it's about knowing what you've done wrong or you know if you have and oh god man just fucking nut up and do something about this you have privilege, you have a voice, you have a platform, give it to somebody else or use it to do something to help them. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm sorry, but if that's too much for you, then sorry, man. That's your bitch. Your bitch. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. And yeah. just all seeing all the people like, why is there, keep politics out of sports. I use sports to escape from, I'm sorry, from don't uh, worry, reality. I'm, I'm like, well, well there's, well, there. Well, there's other people who can't who can't just escape that and turn it off. Like they experience this stuff every day, and po- and it isn't politics. It's just human rights. Human rights is not politics. Treating a fellow human being regardless of their skin color, it's not politics. It's just being an, a, a, a a decent human being. Man, like, the way it's I look not at it, hard. If you think that someone's saying that Black Lives Matter is political, then I think that's the problem right there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess I. Uh, not too much to talk about after this, but uh, really great to touch on. I think it's a very important thing to talk about. And uh, we're, there any, we're, any questions or anything else to add? Well, and another thing we kind of forgot to bring up the last time was the Chicago Chicago they banned hairdresses, which yeah. um, that's an, uh, the Blackhawks have been a topic of discussion because there's some people that think it it uh, respects the. The tribe it was named after from World War One, I, I think, or like a military, sorry, military unit. And then there's yeah. people that think it's incredibly offensive. And I, as much as I love the logo and the name and all that stuff, I eventually think it's going to be changed. That's how like society is. But like seriously, yeah. if you're going to complain over a logo when people have experienced worse things, it's just I don't know, man. But it's a confusing situation. Yeah, it's a it's a mixed bag. I mean, I think that. The way I look at it, I, I wonder if the name will stay. I don't think the name is really the issue as much as the logo, at least. Yeah, um, definitely. I agree with yeah. that. Like, I think it's not as much the, the name. I, I think people uh, um, 
indigenous people from what I've heard from uh, you know people of the Black Hawk tribe I believe were saying it was it was them or it was the um, uh, oh God there's a group um, getting rid of indigenous logos I believe God I forget the name but they I believe they're doing a protest against the logo yeah outside the the UC I pretty yeah. sure you know, good on them. They're they're you know they're exercising their right. I don't I don't really disagree with them. I mean, it's it, listen. It, you know, I I was growing up told that this was to honor Chief Blackhawk, and uh, you know I I'm sure that's what the Blackhawks are aiming for. We're not talking about the Cleveland Indians making a joke out of them or the and the Washington Redskins. Yeah, yeah. Even, the same. even the even right here in my own backyard, the Edmonton Eskimos. They they changed that too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like I follow the CFL. <laughs> I I'm proud to say that it's it it really seems that the Blackhawks have always meant to have this as an honor, not a. A means of taking something and, and turning yeah. it into a cash cow. So, um, it's it's good to know that the intent's there. It's it's great that I, in my opinion, that they're they they're being educated and they're making these changes. Um, because you know some people don't know about these things. Honestly, guy, I didn't know about how offensive it was till about last year. And so it's, you know, I I came from a situation where I didn't learn about um how awful those things were so to finally get that chance being about 21 years old now and having a little more like you know freedom in the world and you know meeting great people like yourself and learning about these things that i think that it's all about education and learning man i think that it seems like the hawks are taking their what they're learning and they're they're moving with it it's not like the new york rangers 10 days after uh oh, the, the whole K. andre and, miller incident you know yeah. racism, by the way yeah. yeah, I think that's because of their owner. I forget what the owner's name was, but I've just heard he's the John Davidson. Most, uh, oh, the no, 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 not John the Davidson. Owner, the owner. owner. I, yeah. I'm I I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I just I've just heard that he's the that's worst a, awful person. Told me. I did not know that they had such a bad owner, but yeah, I heard that from you and somebody else, and I believe I've seen it on Twitter too. So that's unfortunate for the Rangers fans because I'd say their team is uh you know they're on the rise right now. They have a great president, great GM, so. But not a couple questionable players, uh, personality-wise, but that is... And they lost to the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, it's probably D'Angelo's fault anyway, so who cares? Yeah, and Brendan Lemieux. Bad team morale. Bad team morale. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear another tweet about the Columbus and Prono game? You want to finish it off with this one? Want this to be the, uh, the uh, curtain call? Uh, well, I originally wanted to put the... the the um uh, the Steve Simmons Austin Matthews thing at the end, but I just wanted to start off with this. But this is from Allison Lucan. She's a beat writer for the Columbus Blue Jackets for the Athletic, and Toronto did not have a shot on goal in the last six twelve of the game. <laughs> Your reactions for this, man? <laughs> I swear to God, man, this. But hey. The Blackhawks one, hey? Yeah. Oh, I'm, it's like, you know, the thing with the Leafs is that it doesn't bother me emotionally as much as the Hawks would. I'm invested greatly in the Hawks. Yeah. The Leafs are like that kid that I just, I want him to do well, and he has so much potential, and he goes to do it, and he falls on his fucking face every time, and I'm like, buddy, when is it going to happen? <laughs> when are you going <laughs> to take your first steps? You're 10 years old. Take your first steps, please. <laughs> Oh, take my God. the take the wheels off the tricycle, buddy. Exactly. I you know, 
So the thing with them is that, yeah, it doesn't bother me as much as Or the training wheels, well, I guess. <laughs> I think the, the Maple Leafs are an enigma. I just want to understand them. I don't know what the fuck they are. <laughs> Do you have Austin Matthews, William Nylander, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, Kasperi Kapanen, Alexander Kerfoot, young Nick Robertson, Ilya Mikheyev, Tyson Berry, Travis well, it just goes on and on. Like you just compare them to Columbus, oh, you could argue they're um, better oh. everywhere. But the one thing they don't have is they. It's the cliche um, uh, old hockey men thing. They don't play as a team. It seems like. Mm-hmm. You know what this that first game makes me think about? Chicago Blackhawks, Nashville Predators, twenty seventeen. That's a tough one. This has the makings of that series, and I know I'm right. It yeah, really you got this powerful Toronto offense. Chicago got that powerful offense, but you just got this Columbus team, and in that case, it was a Nashville team that just Corpus a powerful defensive play. team. They just shut it down. And if Corpus yeah. Allo, man, if you can play just above average, play just play pretty good. Yeah, which he's capable of. Yeah, what you showed. Here's Elvis. They got two great goalies. Just need one of them to play really well and play the defense the way they are. Puck, a puck's going to go in. If you're out shooting them like that, a puck's going to go in eventually. And, and I don't know. That, that first game, really, I mean, I don't know. Toronto doesn't seem to respond well. Like, when, they, when they're when they down, they stay down. Another one of their issues. So, uh, yeah. And that's a point I want to bring up, that first game, like, for both series, the, the Toronto-Columbus series, well, really for any series, but the ones we kind of focused on, Toronto-Columbus and Edmonton-Chicago, the first game is huge because you got, I don't believe in momentum, but now you got to look at it from this perspective. Edmonton's got to win the next three or four games. Toronto has to win the next three or four games. Like, how likely is that 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 happens? It's, it's a, it, it can definitely happen, but it's a, it's a tough hill to climb. For sure, well, that's why. Gotta get one and uh, keep doing the right things and uh, get pucks in deep and you know, just uh, do the little things right and uh, eventually all you know, things are gonna go your way and uh, you know, start back my W's. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, by the way, the Minnesota Wild are leading the Vancouver Canucks two to nothing. Kevin Fiala, who we very much love on the show, even though he played for the Predators, scored an overtime goal against us, and that was on the Minnesota Wild. We very much stand him, a Swiss king. He got the first goal. He, like, took a slap shot um, oh, right off the yeah. face-off, and it just trickled through Markstrom, and it was a power play goal. And funny enough, the second goal was a power play goal, too, by Jared Spurgeon, who is from mm-hmm. Edmonton and uh, one of the more underrated defensemen in the we NHL. We also so. stand, yeah, really, really underrated player. Short king, Jordan Spurgeon, by and the way. So, really uh, but maybe not for you. Yeah. Short King Jared Spurgeon. Yeah. And <laughs> the thing was, I I think I've really, really underestimated the Minnesota Wild Women. I just, look, I just looked at Vancouver. I just looked at Vancouver. You just look at their goalie. You look at Quinn Hughes. You look at Elias Patterson. That alone should win them a series probably. So it's against Minnesota that really doesn't have that firepower. But then you look at their team. I One thing that I was, wasn't really convinced on was Stalock, but it looks like he's doing good so far because Dubnik has had a terrible season and Stalock kind of took over. What the hell is that? <laughs> That's that is like, my uh, NHL ad. At full volume. Oh my god. That like that made me go deaf almost holy. Um, <laughs> um 
But he, yeah, when we had Ben Pope on, he he chose the Wild to win, and he said, "Yeah, look up their uh, stats, their defensive stats. They're a really good defensive team." And add in the fact you got Kevin Fiala, who's a potential game breaker that the Wild have never really had. And would have been nice to they, get him for a uh, a one uh, Brendan Perlini, but oh yes, yes, I, I can't cry over old milk that's aged like fine wine somehow. What a guy. I'm pretty yeah. sure as soon as we put that, po- I'm pretty sure I deleted it because it was like a while ago. But yeah, when we put that out, I'm pretty sure right after that, Perlini got traded, and then like a couple months later, Fiala just went off. And you know what, Fiala can score his goals, but I'll be happy when Alec Regula gets his two Norrises in his career. I'll be fine with that. Yeah. Um. Hang on, I there was one question we got lost last podcast. I don't think you're on it, but uh, there was one question mm-hmm. I got like right after the podcast that I want to answer. And, uh, oh yeah, remodeling rooms is uh takes up a bit of time, unfortunately. That's from our good pal Jeremy. Hang on, dude. Oh man, I just saw the best. Jeremy, like uh, what's his name? Oh, okay, I got the tweet. Um. Who do you th- who do you see being a bigger force in the NHL in the next few years, Doc or Kubalik? Ooh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. You know what? That's a toughie. That is a toughie. Tough because you know what? It's you got Kubalik is Kubalik is already good, but Kirby Doc he's got that potential. Okay. And he's good as well. He's, he's good right now. Kubalik is going to be one of the top young scorers for a while, I believe. I think he's going to be a 40-goal guy at some point. I think it's possible. He, he has a, I wouldn't bet on it, but he, he, I wouldn't, like, if he's going to have one season where he goes off and scores 40, it wouldn't surprise me. Same. Same here. I think he's better, like, he's been a better playmaker lately as well. Um, as, as the season went on, he seemed to kind of find his uh, – He's very more. He's a way. He's a a really complete player. Really is, but I I think that I think Doc is going to be a game changer. Not that Kubalik isn't, but I think Doc is going to be a dominant. He's going to be like that Ryan Getzoff, Mark Shifley type center, where he can just dictate the game because he's so strong on the puck, and he's and not only that, his hands are smooth, so he can make those plays in tight and all that win battles against the boards like and and play play that good two-way game cuz he's he's really been good defensively i noticed that too even going back the other way into the defensive zone he was chasing players and trying to he was back checking and trying to steal the puck and just you love to see the complete game that he brings that he can he can really do it all really you just love to see it you just love to see it yeah i you know it's god a fifth round pick a yeah. fifth round pick, man. What do you know? I'm saying. I missed. And the way this I look is, Doc is going to be setting up Kuba League for years to come, and yeah. that is all that matters to me. And that's the th- that's the whole thing. This tweet just shows that this is one good problem we have in the black. <laughs> this is like this is a good thing that we have both Doc and Kuba League. Like, yeah. And you know what? Was it uh, in the words of Michael Scott? More money, more problems. Exactly. <laughs> But I, I have to say, Doc. I think Doc is going to be a much more uh, dominant player. Not that Kubalik won't be. I think he just will have a. Next, I think he'll have that next level above. Uh, oh, what the hell! My camera turned off. Oh, I want to see your pretty face. What? 
Oh, give me one yeah. second. I'm gonna turn on my light. Maybe it's a sign that I should. Uh, we should end the podcast because we've been going on for actually a while. I wonder if I can put it back on. I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. My, I don't think I can turn my camera back on, but. Uh, well, I guess uh, you're still with his voice. I'll take that. Yeah, you can hear my uh, my beautiful voice. That's very much true. Um, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to see if I can turn it back on, but uh, this is gonna be my favorite part of the podcast. I'm just saying. This is like... Oh yeah, me trying to me trying to figure out technology now. Honestly, uh, I think it's a good place to end it. Honestly, I didn't think we would go this long. I thought we were just gonna do oh, Blackhawks no. quick Blackhawks recap, but uh, that's the chemistry. This is improv. It's incredible. I know. Look at us go. But, uh, yeah, we definitely touched on – it was nice to touch on the other series and obviously have that discussion about the Black Lives Matter as well, which yeah. I, I – it's just – it's difficult to talk about, but sometimes you just – you just got to you just gotta have it, man. Yo, we do. Hey, everybody, at Black Girl Hockey on Twitter, please, if you can, donate. They have PayPal. They have a website you can donate. Please. You know what? I get paid tomorrow. I'm going to donate. That's, there you go. There you go. Awesome. All right. So that's it for the podcast. Blackhawks uh, play tomorrow. We're recording this late at night, uh, 10.23 my time, 11.23 your time. And tomorrow the Blackhawks game, it's not in the afternoon. It's actually really late. I think it's the last game. It's 8.30 Mountain Standard Time, 9.30 your time, Central Standard. So uh, it's going to be a late game, but uh, nonetheless, it's going to be another great game. It's going to be interesting to see if the Edmonton Oilers tied or if the Blackhawks take a stranglehold. So, uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Hope everyone is staying safe, social distancing, washing your hands, and wearing masks. So for Pearson Jimmy, take it easy, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Peace.